Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Whenever we take the glory for what God has done, God says you do it against me, right? Because God wants the glory. He deserves the glory. Now, this is important. God doesn't want the glory because it's something that he needs to fix his ego. God knows that if I get the glory, then people will look to me because I took his glory. But because I'm not God, I just gypped you. You guys, well, I'm looking at him because he's the man. I'm looking at Pastor Bill. Then I'm going to fail you so bad. I'm going to let you down so hard, so often because I can't be God. As Christians, it's our job to make sure that all the glory and honor go to God. You may ask yourself, well, why can I get recognition for once? God's answer is simple, and Pastor Bill acknowledged it as he spoke. We can't receive the glory and honor because we aren't God, and it's impossible for us to ever match the magnitude of His power and deity. When we think we can reach that level, we begin to lead His people astray. So where do you stand today? Does your life reflect God's glory? Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Judges chapter 7 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. We were in Judges chapter 6 and we were introduced to Gideon. You guys remember when the Lord found Gideon, he was hiding out in the wine press, threshing wheat because the Israelites were being persecuted by the Midianites. Every time it was harvest time for them and they were going to harvest the wheat or harvest the grain, the enemy would swoop in and, and basically take all their stuff. The reason that they were under oppression was because they had been disobedient. And this is the cycle that the book of Judges is, takes us through. And so they finally cried out to the Lord and the Lord heard their cry as he's faithful to do each time. And the Lord has raised up this man Gideon. So I think of a judge, you know, I think of somebody brave. I think of somebody that's, you know, I think of like a David or, a, you know, just a, somebody that's ready to go do battle. When the Lord found Gideon, he is in the most skittish, scary position you could be in. He's hiding out, threshing the wheat on the wine press so that no one can see him because he's afraid. What did the Lord call him? You mighty man of valor, right? And it's just a reminder to us that God just doesn't see like we see. God is able to see. None of us here are a finished product yet. Uh, if y'all think you are, I promise you not. You know, we're all very much a work in progress, but the Lord is able to see the finished work. God knew what Gideon would be. God saw what he would end up being. So the Lord kept coming back to Gideon, called him, told him, you're going to go. You're going to defeat the Midianites. I'm going to do it through you. And Gideon's like, well, yeah, if, if, well, just to make sure, you know, he had to, he put the fleece out and he said, well, if it's, if it's really you, Lord, then let everything around the fleece be wet and the fleece be dry. Then I'll know it's you. And the Lord did that for him. He said, well, one more time. He said, now, if it's really you, let the fleece be wet and everything else around it dry. And the Lord said, there, I did that for you. So where we pick up now in chapter seven is God saying, now let's get along with the business. And I'll just say this right up front as I was meditating and looking through just chapter seven, there's a lot of lessons, not just one lesson here, but there's definitely a lesson of faith. If there's something God has called you to do, something God has spoken to you about that you're you feel like you're inadequate, you feel like you can't do it. I just believe that God will speak to you through this chapter because that's exactly where Gideon was. He's going to be, you know, if he already didn't feel scared, God is going to set him up to where, you know, Gideon is not going to be anything of you. It's going to be all a work of God. And God wants us to be people that have such trust in him 
that we don't stutter at his call. We don't stutter at the things he called us to do. So let's look at it. Chapter seven, verse one. It says, then Zerubbabel. And for you guys to remember from chapter six, verse 32, that's Gideon. That's another name for Gideon. If you guys remember, he tore down his dad's altar to Baal. And they said, you know, let Baal cry out for himself. You know, if he's really a God. And that's what it means. It says, let Baal plead. And so they gave him a second name. So I told you guys last week, as we go through this, you'll see Gideon called Gideon sometimes and Zerubbabel other times, the same guy. So it says, uh, then Zerubbabel, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the well of Harad, so that the camp of the Midianites was on the north side of them by the hill of Moreh in the valley. And so we know from chapter 8, verse 10, you can put it down in your notes, the army Gideon is going up against is an army of 135,000. So that's a lot of people that he's getting ready to go up against. Look at verse two. It says, and the Lord said to Gideon, the people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into your hand. Least Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying my own hand has saved me. So Gideon has 32,000 people. If you got 32,000 and you're going up against an army of 135,000, are you already kind of overwhelmed? You're already outgunned. You're already in a in an insurmountable situation. That's already a, a lost fight, if you will. And so I would imagine for Gideon, he's like, man, we're already looking bad. This already doesn't look like a win. And the Lord said, Gideon, you got too many guys. And uh, I don't know anybody here that felt like, God, come on. Like, stop playing. Like, you're playing games with me. You know, you're playing with me. You know, I can only imagine that, you know, for Gideon, what the Lord said, hey, the people that you have are too many. And But God explains why. He says, least Israel claimed glory for itself against me. And I want you to note that, right? Whenever we take the glory for what God has done, God says, you do it against me. Right. Because God wants the glory. He deserves the glory. Now, this is important. God doesn't want the glory because it's something that he needs to fix his ego. God knows that if I get the glory, then people will look to me because I took his glory. But because I'm not God, I just gypped you. You guys, well, I'm looking at him because he's the man. I'm looking at Pastor Bill. Then I'm going to fail you so bad. I'm going to let you down so hard, so often because I can't be God. I won't even try. I'm telling you right up front. Don't do that. I'm not God. Look to Jesus. Right. But here's the deal. Right. If we give him the glory, then you can look right past me and say, wow, God did that. Well, I got a relationship with that same God and the same God that did that for him. He loves me, too. And, you know, then now I've connected you through the thing God did in my life. I've now connected you to the God who could do it for you, too. He loves you, too. He doesn't have any favorites. God says, I have no respect for persons. I don't have favorite group of kids and a, a step, some step kids. God says, I love all my kids. Amen. Amen. And so it's, that's why so I want to put I want to make sure we understood why this why it's so important that we give God the glory. And so if God is doing something great in your life right now, make sure you give him the glory. Take the opportunities to just, man, give him some shine. Say, you know, tell people the Lord don't don't eat up the glory because it does two things. One is it's robbing God of what belongs to him. But it's also robbing people of what they could have in the Lord. They're not looking to you. They're celebrating you. They could be celebrating the Lord, which would be way better for them in the long run. And so if you're writing notes, I'd like you to write down Isaiah chapter 42, verse eight. And I'll read it to you real quick. Isaiah chapter 42, verse eight says, I am the Lord. That is my name and my glory. I will not give to another nor my praise to carve images. 
And so God says, look, I don't, don't want to share my glory. It's important that people recognize who did. So God said, if you guys were able to do it with 32,000, you guys might still feel like y'all pulled it off. You know, actually, you know, we pulled the upset. They had more people than us, but we pulled the upset. God said, I'm going to make this thing so upside down that when y'all get the victory, it, it won't be no explanation except God did this. And so many times that's what God is working with. God said, I'm going to I want to make it not making it difficult for you. It's just going to be impossible for you. When it's impossible for you, it requires the hand of God. And sadly, part of human nature is for many of us, if we feel like we can pull it off without God, we'll try. If we're looking at a situation, we go, I, I, I got this. You know, you won't pray because it doesn't look that insurmountable. Look like I can take care of it. I can do that. But when God puts you up against something that man, I, I, I need help, you got to cry out. That's many times when God gets the glory that's due him. It's when we look to the Lord. And so we want to make the habit of looking to the Lord always. We always, even with the little things, the things I perceive to be little, I still need my big God for my little issues. Amen. Amen. And so look at now what it says in verse three. Now, therefore, proclaim in the hearing of the people saying, whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. And twenty two thousand of the people return and ten thousand remain. So God told Gideon, I want you to look out at your thirty two thousand men and I want you to tell them anybody that's scared, go home. Now, I would think among an army of thirty two thousand men, I think that brother would be like, no, I'm not scared. You know, these are these are soldiers. This is. This is not a, this, I mean, I would think that more guys, 22,000 brothers was, if he said, go home now. They were like, peace, I'm out of here. They, 22,000 men. Now, that would at least say about the 10,000 that stayed, right? That's them some good brothers, you know? 10,000 guys that said, man, we're going to, we getting ready to fight 135,000 folks. Again, I would look at this and say, God, that's enough. That's enough. You've done enough. Like, this is insurmountable enough, but it's not enough for the Lord. God's like, no, nah, I'm, I'm going to whittle it down even more. And so now Gideon's army is whittled down from 32,000 to 10,000. Again, why does God do that? Why does God put us in situations like that? I believe it's because he wants it to be of him. If you write notes, write down Zechariah chapter four, verse six, where the prophet there says that it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. The work that God wants to do in a group of people, in a, in a body of believers, is not going to be by might. It's not going to be because you guys were so many. It's not going to be because you were so wise or you were so strong. It's going to be by my spirit, says the Lord. Here's the, the really awesome thing about that. Every believer has his spirit. So God said, look, it won't be by might. So if you lack might, you're good. It won't be by power. So if you're weak in power, you're good. It's going to be by my spirit. And I've made that available to every single one of you guys that believe in me. And so God is saying to the believer, everything you need to be successful in what I've called you to do, I made it available. You can be victorious. And so for those of us that right now are handed to the plow doing something for the Lord or there are things that we're actively doing, God says, you can be victorious. Everything you need is wrapped up in me. It won't be by might. It won't be by power to be by my spirit. And if we can accept that, we won't not go for it because I'm, I don't have enough might. God says, that's the whole program. You'll never have enough might. You'll never have enough out the gate to, you, you'll never look at what you have and say, this is enough to accomplish the will of God. If you can look at what you have and say that this is enough for me to do it, it's probably not even what God wants. God always sets us up that where you look at what you possess, it's never enough. It's never enough. It always requires him. It always will require more of him, that we would be dependent upon him. And so it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by, by the spirit of the Lord. There's another verse, if you want to write it down, it's in Psalm. Chapter 20, verse 7 says, some trust in chariots 
summon horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. And there are some people that trust in what they have. They trust in military might. They trust in all these things. We'll trust in the Lord. Right. We live in a crazy time in our world. All kinds of things are going on and people are saying this over here and, and people are talking about fights and wars over here. And some people are looking, you know, some people can get all caught up in that. And I would say to believers, we just be looking to the Lord. That's that's all that matters for us. What's God doing right now? What's God saying right now? All of that is going to be what it's going to be. And you go, I mean, people that for years worried about things that never happened, didn't worry about things that did happen. That's the folly of worrying where we just want to trust the Lord because there's something concrete about the word of God. Amen. Amen. The things that God says he's going to do, he's going to do. them. And so moving on now, look at verse four. It says, but the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. You got to be kidding me. <laughs> the people are still too many. Bring them down to the water and I will test them for you there. There, then it will be that of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you. The same shall go with you. And of whomever I say to you, this one shall not go with you. The same shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water and the Lord said to Gideon, everyone who laps from the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set apart by himself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink. And so this is the plan God comes with. God says, Gideon. 10,000 is still too many to fight 135,000. That's still not, I'm not going to get the glory I deserve. So he said, I want you to go down to the water. Give the guys a water break. The guys that go down to the water and they bring it up to their hand and, and I guess drink it like a dog to set them guys aside. And the guys that get on their hands and knees like a dog and just put their face in the water, set that group aside. Now, you know, I tell you guys this all the time. There's always, there's values written on why. You know, here goes, I'm going to give you a few of the things that are said. I'll tell you, I'll give you my thoughts, right? There's one, there's some people that say, well, the people that, you know, the 300 are going to be those that pull the water up like this. And so some people say, that's like, those guys are alert. Those are the elite four. They, they have the water, but they're, they're looking while they drink. That's the guys that God wants. That kind of goes in the face of the whole thing, right? Because God is saying, the reason why I'm whittling down the army is because I'm going to make y'all weak. I'm going to make you so weak that it's going to be evident. So guys, I'm not giving you 300 elite special force guys. That's not what he, I don't think that's what God is doing, right? The other thought is, and I kind of tend to agree more with this one, is that the guys that got down on their hands and knees, I'm, I don't know if you got older people here, but when you get older, if you got an option between getting on your knees and hands or just reaching down, if you older with jacked up knees and a bad back and you ain't moving too swiftly, you're going to reach down and just, I'm just going to do it like this. Because I get down there like that, I'm not going to get back up, you know. Um, the, I tend to believe that he said, man, all the guys that was young enough to get on the floor and just you know, get on back up, he says, all y'all go home. I got 300 broke down, rickety hipped, bent knee, you know, crickety crackety back folk. I got, I, got the weak, I got the weakest of the week and I just got 300 of them. I tend to, it kind of goes to me with the rest of the story. Be that as it may, it doesn't really matter, but those are, those are my thoughts for, for whatever that's worth. That's what God does. God says, look, the, it was 300 guys that reached down and pulled the water up like this. God said, that's your guys. And look at verse six. It says, and the number of those who lapped, putting their hand to their mouth was 300 men, but all the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink. Then the Lord said to Gideon, by the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people go, go every man to his own place. And so God finally says, okay, this, this is now we're good. With this 300 guys that reach down to get the water like this, that's the group I'm going to do it through. Now, if you do the math, it's a 400 to one ratio. 
You take 300 guys up against 135,000, that's 400 guys from the Midianites up against every one guy of Israel. So I want you guys just to consider, right? That means each individual in the army, you got 400 people to go deal with, right? That means that's insurmountable. Would you guys, that, that's, God has made it to where this is going to be impossible unless I put my hand to work with you. Now, I want to take a moment here and just, just kind of bring this to where we live. There are many things that God desires to do in the lives of his people. One of the things that God desires and that he delights in is that we would have faith. We would be people that trust him. It says in Hebrews that it, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Say he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so many times God is saying, look, to the people of faith, the people of God, like, I, I want to do great things, but I, I want you to trust me. I want you to believe in me. So often we can try to live within the realm of what we can manage ourselves. And some people live their entire Christian experience within the realm of what they could do. I can manage this much. I can see this working out. I got enough finances to carry that thing right there. I got enough time for this day. I got enough faith for this day. I got enough. I think my gifts are enough for me to do this much, but I'm not going to exceed or go beyond it no matter what anybody says. And many times God is saying, no, I'm calling you. I'm always calling you beyond your ability that you would have to look to me. Anybody that the, God's got a call upon your life for anything, I guarantee you God's calling you beyond what you think you can do so that you'll step out in faith and obedience and God will do it through you. And you'll be like, wow, you won't be prideful. You won't be arrogant. You'll be blown away that God would do it through you, that he would he would work through you in the way that he works through you. And that's what he wants. He wants humble, spirit filled, faith filled people that will just believe him. And when you look at what God selects, God's never really selecting the cream of the crop. I want the best of the best. I want the, the strongest of the strong. God says, I'll take the weakest of the weak. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10, that his strength is made perfect in weakness. Right. That God takes the weak things of the world. He confounds the wise. And so there's God, there's something about that to the Lord. God says, I'll take the weakest and I'll do my best work through the very the weakest of people. I'll receive all the glory, all the credit. You look at the people that God called throughout scripture. Look at those that did great things. And many times as you look at them, they weren't great. There was nothing great about them when they were called. It was their great faith. It was their great trust. This is one of my, my favorite stories. So we just read it recently in the reading, but David and Goliath, you know, when the entire army of Israel is out in front of Goliath in the Philistine army and their giant Goliath is stomping back and forth saying, you know, who wants to fight? You know, come out. I, I want one of you guys to go head up with me and whatever. If we win, he just wants he wants one person to fight with and nobody would step up. Saul was head and shoulders taller than everybody in Israel. and He wouldn't step up. And the unlikely candidate, you know, David, all David's older brothers, the ones that were in the army were down there. They wasn't stepping up. And little David goes, he's on a mission. He just all his dad only thought enough about him to take lunch to his brothers and hey, go down there and see how the war is going to get your brother some lunch, man. And bring me back word. And David gets down there, little little David. And again, I, you read the scriptures. It's the idea of David is that he was cute. He was young. He wasn't. I don't get the image of some muscle bound. I get a, the little cute kid still got the curly hair and you know ain't, ain't hit puberty yet. You know I don't know how old he was. But he was a young dude. And he goes down there and he sees this Philistine stomping and breathing and talking crazy. He says, "Who is this uncircumcised? Why y'all letting them talk like that?" And David's appalled that, that they're letting him talk like that. They ain't doing nothing about it. And David says, I'll fight him. And you know what his brother said right away? And I want y'all to listen to this. 
Because anybody trying to do something for the Lord, you're going to be discouraged by somebody. Satan's going to have somebody put the words in their mouth, asking you dumb questions. You know, his brother said, you know, his brother, Dave, you just came, you're just full of pride. You just came down here to see some stuff. Go home. Go on back home to the sheep, you know. When he got before Saul, Saul said, David, <laughs> I'm paraphrasing, but Saul said, I mean, this guy been a warrior your lifetime. You, you, you cute. You cute little guy, man. But you, you know, you sure you want to do this? He said, you, this guy's been a warrior your entire lifetime. And David's like, look, David spoke up for himself. David said, look, when I was watching my father's sheep, a lion came out and the Lord delivered that lion into my bed. I, I killed a lion with my bare hands and a bear came out. Now, I would say this, right? That would do a lot for my faith. <laughs> if I killed a lion, because I've seen, you've seen a big, a full size lion. That ain't, that's not. I, never mind a pit bull or a dog, a lion. I killed a lion with my bare hands or a bear. If you're having that kind of success by the power of God, it's like he said, this uncircumcised Philistine to be just like one of them. I bring that story up for a couple of reasons, because for those that are going to step out in faith, they're going to be people that are going to be naysayers. They're going to be people that say, what do you think? I can't think of one step of faith I've taken where Satan didn't send me. Somebody said, you think it's going to work? That's going to have to work. You know, I mean, I'm just I I don't know. You know, I'm just going to move forward. I've had people say, like, you know, I, I don't know, man, but just you consider this. You know, if I was you, I think, you know, I'm like, I, I'm not even listening to my thoughts. I want to hear your thoughts. I'm quick to tell people that I encourage you to do the same. When I'm trying to walk by faith, I tell myself, I tell my wife, I tell my friends. I really don't. I don't want to hear nobody's thoughts. I'm telling my own thoughts to shut up. I'm just trying to just what is the words? I got a word. I got a verse. I got a word. I'm going to do that. I don't want to hear my own thoughts. I don't want yours either. So if I tell myself to be quiet, I don't have a problem telling someone else. Put a hush on that, you know, <laughs> hold them words to yourself. Hold your peace. You know, so if you're trying to do something or seeking to do something for the Lord, they'll be it'll come from somewhere. You know, Satan wouldn't be Satan if he didn't try to discourage or, or beat it back. You got to just got it. I got a word. It's so important that you have a word. Gideon did have a word. God had spoken. He had it. And he needed to just walk in what God had spoken. That's how we need to live our lives. This looks crazy. It doesn't make any sense at all. But I got a word. You spoke. I'm going solely based on what you said. Uh, nothing else. I can't add it up in a checkbook. I can't, you know, can't put it together. I can't look at myself in the mirror and figure out how it's going to work. I just don't even know how it's going to go, but we're going. And I'll say this for those that have done that and those that are doing that, it's always afterwards that you look back at what God did and you're like, wow, man. Now, you're better prepared for the next step of faith. But as you look back, if you can only see what God does in the rear view. You never can see it in the front window. In the front window, you got to go in faith. It's when you go in faith that you eventually walk down the road of faith long enough that you look back and say, wow, God is amazing. God is so faithful. He keeps his word. God's never let me down. God, why do I ever doubt you? I need to trust you with everything in my life. And so anybody that's taking some steps and take them steps. Take them step. Take every step of faith. Wouldn't it be better to fail stepping out to do something great for God than to succeed at doing nothing? It would be better. I would rather fall flat on my face trying to do something for the Lord than to succeed sitting at home doing nothing. No, no, I didn't mess up, though. <laughs> you know, like that, there's no victory in that. You know, there's no win in that. And I even know brothers that have stepped out trying to do something for God and it failed. There's a pastor in Colorado. His name is Ed Taylor. And when I was in Bible college, he felt called to go plant a church and he went out to try to plant the church. And he went out and it, just, it didn't work out. It completely went bust. And I remember he had to pack up and come back home, back to California. And he came back 
It was very defeating. He was discouraged, but he came back to just, I don't know, it didn't work out, but I know God called me. And he came back home and they put him back on staff at the church I was at. And he was there. He was doing a home Bible study and some other things. He was like, man, I know I'm called to go do this. And he got up enough faith to go again. He went again. Boom, went out. Went out to Colorado. You've been listening to Pastor Bill Bovington with a transforming word. We know you didn't have to come today to hear from the book of Judges. You could have easily switched channels or moved on with your day, doing other things. But you did choose to tune in, and for that, we're grateful. A Transforming Word is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood in Los Angeles, California. If you found these messages helpful and encouraging, why not listen to more? You can find these teachings at calvaryinglewood.org. Just look under the teaching tab. You can also download our mobile app to have these messages with you wherever. Another resource on our website is a daily Bible reading plan that might interest you. You'll also find links to Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. So head over to calvaryinglewood.org for all the information you need. And if you still haven't found what you're looking for, just call or text us. Our number is 310-245-4811. That's 310-245-4811. As you can see, we have many ways to help you connect with God throughout your week. If you're wondering about a way you could contribute to the ministry here at A Transforming Word, we greatly value your prayers and financial support if you feel led to do so. On calvaryinglewood.org, you'll find a Give tab that helps you know how to proceed. Thank you for your support. We hope you come back here next time as you quickly notice the effects of A Transforming Word.